0: What's up guys, this is Dave Duenas and you're listening to Leave It In The Ring Network. Be sure you go to our YouTube, subscribe, hit the like button and hit that notification bell so you're alerted when we bring up new content on the YouTube channel. Right now you're about to tune in to Sonatos with Evan Rukowski. Enjoy. Oh! He's no, up, get up. He's not no, getting up, Jim. get up. He's not getting up. No, he's been knocked out. It's over. Mamma mia, he's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. AJ does it in style. Beaten down, hopeless, without an answer, and Lomachenko has made Regan Dow quit. It's Fiscianatos with Evan Rutkowski. He's a good boy, you know. Hello, Fight fans. It is Friday, June 5th, and this is the Fistianatos Podcast on the Leave it in the Ring radio network. I'm your host, Evan Rakowski, former HBO sports marketing executive, giving you my take on what's happening in the sport of boxing on your screen and behind the scenes. Email me at fistianatos at yahoo.com. Follow me on Twitter at fistianatos pod. We are brought to you by Ring Magazine and ringtv.com. All right. Review section here, as the fast, uh, past couple of episodes, I've been doing promos for local businesses. We'll do it a little bit di- different for this one. Rather than just focus on one small business, I will point out uh, that one of the really positive things, and and look, this isn't a political podcast, but obviously uh, everything that's been going on with Black Lives Matter in the last two weeks since I last did a show um, you've been seeing a lot of it play out on social media, and I think one of the really positive things I've seen there is there are people sending out lists of Black-owned businesses, um, especially restaurants. So, if you want to make a difference, go spend money at these businesses. Uh, there's one close to me that I go to called Cafe Rousseau, which is in Playa Vista. It's an awesome coffee shop. You know. There's others, plenty of others in L.A. I've actually seen Google Docs, spreadsheets that have been passed around, social media uh, that just sort of have a list. You know, I've seen a lot of restaurant lists, but I've seen also just other black owned uh, business lists. And I think as our country reopens, it's critical to support any restaurants and small businesses in general. But I think here you have an opportunity to do something for black owned businesses specifically that can make a real impact And especially if you live in larger cities where there's lots of choice, it is something you should consider in your purchasing decisions. It takes 30 seconds to do a Google search on this and find out what is in your local area. Please support them in your local area. Okay, moving on to reviewing ratings. There was nothing of note in the combat sports world over Memorial Day weekend that we did see a golf exhibition on Turner, do massive ratings. I mean, obviously it had NFL stars in it as well. And it was sort of just a curiosity for a lot of people, but it literally set a golf record for cable golf. It averaged 5.8 million viewers. Uh, We are clearly a nation starved for live sports, although once the uh, political actions from the George Floyd incidents and obviously everything that has followed – after that started, um, it's been a different story. We're not <laughs> not quite as star for live sports um, or anything else other than political change, I think uh, you could say. There was a UFC event on Saturday, May 30th. It did do over 1 million viewers. I think it did 1.02 million to be exact. It was the number 20 show of the evening. It was on ESPN. All of the top-rated shows on cable that day were essentially new shows given to the, you know, given the civil unrest and then the launch of the spaceship uh, with astronauts for the first time in in obviously years. I'm actually surprised that over a million people watch the UFC or any kind of sports on Saturday. You know, again, we're living through transformative changes in our society, not just due to a pandemic, but due to social unrest uh, from the George Floyd Incident and I will leave it at that Um, so there's not a whole lot to analyze for me coming from that. Okay For the deep dive this episode, I wanted to continue talking about really What's at stake for the sport of boxing as a whole and I'll just sort of refer to it. as like capital B boxing We're about to come back this Tuesday evening top rank on ESPN will be the first boxing that we'll see Um, you know, consider this a two-parter. Part one, I'll just sort of lay out what's at stake in the greater context of not just boxing, but sports in general, and kind of like the old system of sports, and not necessarily, I don't, I hesitate to even call it the old system, because it's kind of the old system for TV, but it is the current system for sports, and I actually think it's a great system for sports. So consider this a two-parter. Because of what I did – remember last episode I went deep into what DAZN was doing and then uh, that was two weeks ago. Last week I was on Chris Mannix's show and we went through kind of promoter by promoter and network by network and looked into what to expect. This one is just going to sort of be boxing as a whole um, and then next episode – Will also be focused on boxing as a whole, and 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 I'll get into some different stuff. This one, look, this one, I'm going to be very realistic about what risks there are for boxing, and and also to to be clear, and I'll say this a bunch. Boxing could actually do really well as a sport right now, and still face challenging times, and that's because as a society, that's that's just something we're facing right now. We're facing. You can succeed at what you're doing and still face, you know, as an individual and still face, or, you know, or as an industry and still face a cut salary, cut revenues, all kinds of other things. Um, there, there are going to be new opportunities to pop up as well. I will get into that. Okay. So let's just start by assuming you haven't listened to the Dazone podcast I just did or the one I did with Chris Mannix. Let's just do a quick lay of the land. Top Rank is coming back on ESPN starting Tuesday, June 9th, which is in a few days from now when I'm recording. They plan on going every Tuesday and Thursday in June and then definitely still doing that in July and potentially August. There will also potentially be Saturday night shows from Mexico featuring featuring some of their fighters, who right now I'm assuming are in Mexico and cannot get back into the United States. PBC was saying late July or August, Uh, coming back for Fox and Showtime. I have heard this could be as early as Saturday, July 18th, but more likely uh, will be a week or two later. DAZN was looking at September, but now maybe we will see something in July or August for DAZN as well. I know they are talking about specific matchups that are worth coming back for, not necessarily a uh, date. We have also heard that there might be a potential fight uh, for Canelo in September, but probably against an opponent on a level like a Derevchenko at the higher end, maybe Andre Durell at the lower end, but like something in that world. And and by the way, both fighters, Derevchenko and Durell, coming off losses, but both are legitimate guys who would probably make a really fun fight. I think most people would agree that Derevchenko is fighting at a higher level right now than Durell, but... The point is neither would have a very realistic chance to beat Canelo in terms of where the odds makers would put the fight. Uh, Other sports plotting their returns, the NBA sounds like it will start up at the very end of July and have finals in October, which means September uh, will be filled with playoff basketball, maybe even August as well. Um, NFL is... Sort of saying business as usual right now, could delay it a month or two or so, something like that. College football feels like it will come back, but possibly on different timelines for different regions. Uh, Potential delays faced there as well, but certainly in the South, college football feels like it's coming back. NHL seems to be devoted to coming back for the playoffs. Major League Baseball is obviously the one, if you've been following it, where players and owners... May not come to an agreement, and this season is certainly in jeopardy. The best we would see is half a season. Who knows when it starts? Okay. The other thing, I think, I just want to say, because some of the stuff I will get into is a little dark for the sport of boxing. Let's quote the great Larry Merchant, who said that nothing will kill boxing and nothing will save it. And he's right. Boxing will survive, even as I go through worst-case scenarios here on some of this. And they're bad. Uh, nothing's going to completely kill televised boxing. It will always have a place in American culture. Um, but again, there are scenarios where this could get really bad. There are scenarios where boxing could actually come out of this uh, improved. Okay, what is the first obvious thing that everyone is worried about? And this is in all of live sports in general. It's the ad market. Uh, Max and I talked about this a little bit. I've talked about it on other shows I've done since the pandemic started. The ad market has so many issues right now. Uh, The number one issue is will spending on TV return to pre-COVID levels or even close to pre-COVID levels. Live sports, as I've said before, is the best chance at jumpstarting this process. And when I say live sports, I really mean NFL football, NBA playoffs, and like major, major events in the other sports. Major golf tournaments, major tennis tournaments, major horse racing tournaments that have always been on network TV and done huge ratings. Right now, these are the only things network TV or basically entertainment in general has left to do huge ratings in the coming months. So there's an incredible amount of pressure on them, not only to continue to do big ratings, but also to do them, you know, potentially even directly up against each other. So for ESPN and Fox, who both televised boxing, like this, for this to be successful, like you're not even going to sniff a year that isn't a total financial disaster unless – some part of this is successful. For CBS and NBC, I mean, they don't televise boxing, but they're on the same boat, basically. RSNs, which are regional sports networks, they're in a slightly different situation because they depend more on the daily games uh, for baseball, basketball, and hockey rather than big events. It's probably not worth getting into too much of what they're doing because of that, but going back to the big networks, Like, these big events have to deliver for you because, you know, as I've mentioned before, everything in Hollywood is at a standstill. So you have no new TV shows coming down the pike. I mean, basically, if you watch network TV right now, the nightly news and the morning news show, like, if you watch NBC, for instance, the Today Show in the morning, you know, ABC, that'd be Good Morning America. You get it. It's either that and the news. Everything else is really tough to do, basically. Uh, So... As I've said uh, frequently on this show, like this is it, and there's going to be a stop in production in all other shows that uh, are basically, there's, there's, the cavalry's not coming. There's nothing coming. So, to get the maximum audience sizes and viewers come back, they're totally dependent on these big live sporting events. So, look, the worst case scenario here is that advertisers are skeptical. They don't jump in, but rather they kind of dip their toe in. And then the events don't deliver with the right audiences. And that would, uh, you know, I can't see any other scenario that that would happen unless the events are competing with each other frequently. And it starts a major chain reaction where a lot of the traditional networks face an existential crisis. Especially like I just mentioned above with this narrative where people are cord cutting they're moving to streaming services, you know, and remember, like I've said in the past, streaming services are about to have a major multi-month interruption in new content. But with that narrative that they're all moving to streaming services, if they don't move back, like all this will be exacerbated. These companies will have huge, huge financial commitments for programming that they might not be able to meet. You know, I sound crazy, but in the worst case scenario here, this is worst case. I don't think this is going to happen. It's worst case. Low percentage probability, but the networks have so much money at stake in these TV contracts, and there's so much risk that they may literally have to completely rework how they operate, or in some cases, maybe not even survive. You know, I don't. Th- I think that's very low percentage risk. I mean, I've gone through before how you could see how RSNs could go down this path. Like, just you get to the point where it's you know, it just doesn't work. Too many people have switched over from cable to streaming. Now that's not the case. Cable is still by far the largest pipeline, and especially if they focus on live sports, there will be a major resurgence, I think. But if MLB can't figure out how to get games going, and you know, and NBA and NHL just go straight to playoffs, like some, you know, some RSNs are at risk here. I mean, the bigger networks, Fox, NBC, CBS, ABC, like. They probably just stay alive, but they look massively different. I don't want to go f- too far down this path, though, because this whole like system failing path, this is really unlikely. And it's also, by the way, completely in the best interests of virtually every sports league out there to keep this system alive for a lot of reasons. But the biggest reason is that the tech companies that are sitting on all this cash where people are like, oh – you know, analysts are like, oh, the tech companies, they, they, they're they sitting on tons of cash. They could go out and start buying these major sports rights. Well, the reason they haven't shown a lot of interest in bidding in a serious way for live sports, it, you know, there's a couple of different reasons. I mean, the biggest one is they deliver ads in a completely different way. And as of right now, the benefit of, you know, evergreen or cheaper content where they can aggregate views, that that works a lot better for them. Um, if you look at it, you know, just by looking at the major ones, I mean, Netflix has shown no interest in live sports. It essentially goes against their brand. They want to deliver consumers what consumers want when they want it. Not there's a live event happening at 8 p.m. and you need to watch it. The total opposite of that. HBO Max has moved away from all live events, or I should say HBO, HBO Max, basically whatever whatever HBO Max is now. And it's very similar to Netflix. Amazon has shown a little interest in live sports, but mostly experimental. Apple is just sort of figuring out what works for them right now. Facebook and YouTube, like I mentioned above, are basically user-generated content machines who want to make cheap content, and every time they've tried to put on premium content, they've not liked the results. I mean, these are places that won't televise live sports unless the economics make sense for them. And maybe, with the exception of Amazon, that probably means they're going to be looking to come in if networks fail, and if they can get sporting leagues at reduced prices. So, in essence, streamers right now would probably be bad for sports. The sporting leagues have a really strong interest in maintaining the current system. But going back to ad sales for a second, you know, Anthony Krupe wrote a great article for Sports Business Journal detailing what has seemingly started to become relatively difficult conversations and what the networks are having with advertisers over NFL games. And that's where it all starts and that's where everything matters. Let's just be clear. There's not, there wasn't, because of COVID, there wasn't a traditional upfront this year. Uh, And that, there's essentially this large back and forth. And for people who don't understand the ad market, I'm going to really oversimplify it, but I'll break it down you know, as simple as possible. In the spring, there's usually this major event called the upfronts where networks, put, you know, they show off all their new and upcoming programming and stars and everything like that to advertisers. I'm oversimplifying this again. But there are two ways to buy ads. One is being you do what's called an upfront buy. And the other way is called a scattered buy. So if you buy an upfront, you buy a large amount of inventory at a guaranteed price. And then you have a guarantee written into the buy that you'll do a certain amount of viewership numbers, or you get what's called a make good. You basically either get money back or you get more advertisements for free, basically. So if you buy scatter, which is just your you know, you sort of you're not buying any huge upfront, you're just buying an ad here, an ad there. So if the ad market is hot, then you might even pay double what you would have paid had you bought an upfront. I mean, if the market is depressed, you might actually pay similar amounts to an upfront or even less in some cases. Though probably not for NFL games, maybe for other things, but NFL is sort of its own category. And you don't get the guarantee of viewership if you buy scatter. So even if you think the market's going to be depressed, you're making a large bet on that. You're sort of shorting the ad market, but you're doing it without the guarantee that you would get if you got the upfront. So right now this game of chicken is being played out within with regards to buying commercial spots on NFL games. And I mean, most people think that the leverage is still held by the networks here, and there's just a bunch of advertisers who've held back a huge chunk of their budget and they're gonna end up just buying an upfront because even though they'll try to change the schedule to their benefit, it'll just if you need to to get your product out in front of a large audience, it'll just make sense to do an upfront for the NFL. And it's really significant because if the NFL draws TV audiences like it has previously, and it could command strong rates for commercial spots this fall and the winter, uh, it has a lot of significant effects on other sports. Like First of all, it takes one of the most expensive properties that COVID has put at major risk, and it eliminates a lot of the risk. So what networks don't want is a situation where they paid a lot of money for something like the NFL or the Olympics, let's say, and then a crazy pandemic comes and it means not only do they still have to pay for the, the crazy amount for the sporting event, but then they can't sell the inventory because advertisers have been hit too hard or the TV audience may not be there because of whatever crazy reason fans don't like watching games with piped in crowd noise where there's no fans in the stands or you know whatever it is they're like competing against other sports. That puts, whenever you pay so much money for something, it puts a lot of pressure on your ad sales team and, and you are at risk of losing money. So, when you eliminate this risk and you're making sure that, the net, the, that your network is still gonna break even or make a profit on the NFL, that's huge. Because now, not only do you take the risk off of, you, of your biggest property, but it gives you a platform to promote everything else on your network with a huge audience. So the other factor into this is they're negotiating the next NFL contract. And I mean, that would basically be happening, right? You know, it'd be starting the negotiations for it if it weren't for COVID. And that's really important because I think everyone's hoping that the NFL stays on network TV instead of going to a streamer like Apple or Google or whatever. And then I think everybody can breathe a lot easier because the anchor for the networks will still be there. Now it'll probably be, A lot more expensive to advertise on it, and the NFL will be getting a huge chunk of money, and we'll get to all the other effects of that in a second. But the issue is that if the NFL season still happens, and the ad sales are there, and the TV audiences are there, all the other sports just kind of get put into a different category. I mean, and I think, you know, we've talked about this a lot for boxing, but remember, in boxing, we get excited if like 2 million people watch a main event on Fox, Whereas in the NFL, like, they're regularly hitting 10 times that number or more just for, like, a good NFL Sunday afternoon game. I mean, especially if the networks need to pony up big for another NFL contract, then, you know, some of the other sporting events that need to go up against the NFL, if they don't do as well, then, yeah, you don't have a worst-case disaster, but you still might have a tough financial year. I mean... What you don't want is a situation I'm making up these examples, but like NBC has a major golf tournament, and they have to do it in you know during the fall, so it's up Sunday afternoon against NFL games, and what normally would have gotten a much better rating for NBC now doesn't because of everything's just all happening at the same time and I mean what that can lead to is you might have to start making small cuts and herein lies the issue with boxing. So other sports that aren't the big four leagues, like the niche sports that still have major events, golf, tennis, horse racing, even bull riding. Um, and even to a certain extent, I'll get into this later, like even some NBA and baseball, like, so these things, they can still have a life on network TV because they provide a ton of content, you know, maybe for bull riding, it's a ton of content for CBS sports network, Or for hockey, it's a ton of content for NBC Sports Network or whatever. other cases, it's ESPN2 or ESPN Plus or whatever. The big events still happen on NBC or ESPN or ABC or Fox instead of FS1. Like, you get it. And even something is, you know, like I said, baseball and basketball might even fit in this category. Like, I've talked a lot about numbers with boxing and how Saturday Night Boxing TV audience have been comparable many times to you know, national TV baseball games and and how much of a positive that is for boxing. And I mean the NBA too. Like we're starting to see regular season NBA games decrease in viewership to the point where the best boxing audiences on Fox or ESPN are comparable to bad ESPN or Turner basketball games. In a lot of ways this is apples to oranges. Um, so let's move on and, and, and look at an apple to apple comparison. Like before I even say that, boxing, for better or worse, it isn't like these other sports. Like The big stuff goes to pay-per-view. So it doesn't draw huge TV ratings for the promoter who has that network contract. And I've talked about related elements to this a lot. I mean, this can be a positive for boxing, but let's do a baseball comparison. Let's look just Fox because Fox is truly an apples-to-apples comparison. Like Fox pays big money so they can televise MLB World Series, basically. PBC on boxing, you know, PBC on FS1 has seen ratings that are very similar or have even beaten Major League Baseball games on FS1. And on a good day, PBC on Fox on Saturday night, it may not beat Fox Major League Baseball on Saturday night, but the better versions of boxing will compare decently to the mediocre versions of MLB, just in total viewership numbers. The problem is, Fox isn't getting that big fight that would normally be on pay-per-view to do, you know, maybe if it's not on pay-per-view, it does... 7, 8, 10, 12 million viewers. Like, that's a pay-per-view fight in boxing. So if you go back to the ad sales component of this, Fox actually doesn't make a ton of money by selling ads to the audience that it gets for regular season baseball. Those audiences just aren't that great. But when you look at World Series, those audiences are huge, and big brands will pay a total premium to have commercial spots played around the World Series and have integrations into the broadcast. And that's where Fox makes their money. It's the same deal with ESPN. Again, let's just stick to Fox right now because it's one isolated, you know, example. Here's the core of the issue. If advertisers come back for the NFL, they may not come back in full force for everything else. And there's a trickle-down effect, and it might affect boxing. Pre-COVID, that might have just meant that the network doesn't care about, about you as much, basically. Ad sales are tough. Boxing is a bit harder to work with because of its fractured nature and you don't get those huge audiences for the big events when you're selling ads. So it kind of goes further down the list for the ad sales team, and rightfully so. And I mean, if you look at Fox, because the network needs content and you're doing really well for them on pay-per-view, they're still going to want you. So you kind of write out your deal and you might get renewed at a similar rate or even a better rate because they need the content. You have one area that's been really successful, and there's not much else there to, you know, not much else out there to replace it, basically. But post-COVID, this might not mean that. Like, this could mean they try and cut your current deal. Not necessarily try to get out of it. They might cut shows. They might cut overall money. They might cut payments. Something like that. I mean, DAZN basically told all their partners they weren't going to pay until, you know, they started producing content again. They were the only one to do that so far, and now sports are coming back. So, but you might see this in a, a lot of different ways. And I'll get to this in a second. It might not even be fair to call it a cut deal. And I think the, when you look at capital B boxing, like boxing as a whole, I think where I, where I get nervous is there is a realistic pathway to where boxing might see its audiences increase right now, increased audiences. And, and, and this could be at ESPN or Fox. And it still might face a tough road because there's so many other things that are affecting this market that are out of boxing's control. I mean, a lot of it is likely dependent on whether other sports can come through and deliver for advertisers and if advertisers come back and how they view this live sports market. I do think – I am pretty positive on this, but I do think it's worth running through the potential negatives. I mean, this could be really bad for boxing on ad-supported TV. Like, again, I'm not predicting this is going to happen. I'd probably say it's more likely it won't. But I do think it's a very realistic pathway to it happen. Top rank and PBC could see their audiences increase and and could face a cut deal, like I said, if ESPN and Fox face really tough times. Both top rank and PBC, they have fighters under contract, you know, they have fighter contracts with with top guys that are sort of based around knowing that they're getting a certain amount of money from the network. And what that really means is that fighters whose guarantees are too high, if some of this negative stuff happens, they may fight less or they may need to fight on pay-per-view or they may not fight and this can bring about really major issues for big-time you know boxing hardcore fans because we may not see the fighters we want to see in the fights that matter and with any kind of frequency like there is a very realistic pathway to advertisers coming back for the NFL coming back for the NBA playoffs not coming back for much else And other stuff not getting the ratings that they need to get to, you know, make networks money. Like, this isn't total gloom and doom. But if it happens, everything else could get cut. And again, I don't think it's fair. Like, even, even deals that were viewed as rock solid might get revisited because this is a pandemic. It's a Black Swan event. You know, there are sort of these types of Clauses in the contracts that that call for reevaluation here, and I think that's part of the reason why you've seen such an emphasis on the WWE and UFC to come back quickly, or in the WWE's position, like not even miss a show. I mean, you know, again, like I don't want to be completely gloom and doom here because I do think that ultimately this is going to be an opportunity for Top Rank and PBC. I mean, quite frankly, for Matchroom and Golden Boy too, because DAZN has shown a willingness to engage with sponsors. Um, but I think I think so. The opportunity for boxing is that because all these sponsors have pulled their money back, they're reevaluating everything. And a sport like boxing, especially if it does see increased viewership, might be willing to engage with sponsors in a way that they haven't before. There might be advertisers that now see value in the audience that boxing brings that hadn't seen it before. Now, I think the issue is, the value they would see is that boxing delivers a certain audience and they would want to get it for less money than they would have to pay elsewhere for this audience. So you're looking for a certain type of advertiser and I think it may not be a lucrative partnership right away. That's part of the issue. It's the opportunities to build a relationship, not necessarily make a ton of money. But I think in the long term, it could be great for boxing because if they do – if boxing does come back and develops stronger relationships with sponsors, then it sets it up much better in the long run as a sport. I mean, look, this would take some added infrastructure. You need to have sort of marketing people who really have strong relationships with sponsors and marketing people who know how to integrate – sponsors into what you're doing creatively as a sport. Um, You know, and I've said in the past, like boxing, I mean, a lot of it's just because boxing was on HBO and Showtime for so long. It just doesn't have strong relationships with sponsors. So this is where I think the opportunity exists. Um, And even, and, and so I think overall, this could be a net positive, but I think there's a lot of risk here. And I think a lot of it, like I said, has nothing to do with how well boxing performs in a vacuum which is frustrating or which could be frustrating i think moving on from the ad market but staying with this larger subset that i call network budgets remember like the is having problems of its own um, and you will certainly see a review on how they pay for certain fights and, and probably cuts in certain fights or budgets for certain fights I went over it a lot of this last episode. I don't want to completely rehash it, um, you know. But the headlines mirror kind of what we I just talked about in the ad market, like the subscription drivers for DAZN are the star fighters in big fights, so Canelo and AJ. That's who matters. That's who gets people to sign up. That what that's what makes a financial impact for DAZN. Like that's boxing's version of the World Series or the NFL playoffs. But the week in week out fights they don't matter as much, and you're going to see, you know, probably cuts there. So when people talk about cutting fighter pay, which is something that's been talked about a lot, like that's why. You know, obviously Showtime, like I've said, has a pathway to be the top boxing network this year. It almost certainly faces the least disruption or least risk in terms of budget. You know, if you look at the deals, you know, I just kind of went through how ESPN and Fox. You know, and basically the zone could face cut deals. Well, you know, if you go down a really dark path, what if one of them gets out of boxing? I mean, it's not like the others are just going to have a ton of extra cash to swoop up all those fighters. That's going to make it even worse for fighters. Maybe it's even Showtime. You know, Showtime, you know, a year ago or whatever, even eight months ago at this point, everybody thought Showtime was leaving. You can go down a really dark rabbit hole here. Uh, If one of them leaves the sport, I mean, all I'd say is right now, post COVID, the frustrating thing there is this is just, isn't the time to be looking for a new TV deal if you're a content provider. So if you're any of the content providers at boxing, any of the promoters, it's just not the time to be doing it. You're going to, almost certainly you'll be lucky to get a a decent deal at all. Especially if the NFL, you know, if you're looking at a network, once the NFL money's gone, there's just not going to be a ton left. And I don't think it's going to be this bad. Like, let's be clear about that. But I think what you do need to take into consideration is there are a combination of these things. If if some of these things start working together, if there's multiple things happening at the same time, you're almost certainly going to face like – Uh, Not certainly. But you could see like a reset almost for how this works, basically. Like fighter pay could drop dramatically, at least in the middle. The pay-per-view market could change dramatically. There could be more fights on pay-per-view. TV audiences could shrink if it leads to an inferior product. You can see how this would all spiral out of control. You know, and again, like I think... There's even ways where boxing can put on a really good product and you could face a smaller version of this. I mean, but I think the real question, I don't, again, I'm going down the this path. I don't want to. I think what's realistic to expect here. The uncertainty is a killer. and, And, you know, as we're starting to get more certainty from other sports, I think that's good. And I think we can expect networks to engage with all of their content from you know, partners, except the NFL, the NBA and the NHL, you know, with some kind of reduction of their deal. And I mean, when I was talking about that above with boxing, like a version of this could happen even in the NBA and NHL for next year, everyone's has to course correct their overarching calendars for sports in the next two or three years. It's weird, but like this pandemic, has forced that. And, you know, you could, I don't think this is totally true, but you could, the hot take would be like, hey, three months off and all of a sudden like it affects three years of programming for sports, but it's true. I mean, you know, the boxing might have to, you know, I think it's unfair to call it a cut deal, but like networks might need more dates at a lesser price per event. I mean, we might even be seeing something like that right now at ESPN where the deal is just morphed to fit uh, the new needs of the network. Maybe Fox needs something different. Maybe they need more FS1 shows, less Fox shows, some, you know, same amount of pay-per-view. But if baseball doesn't happen and college football gets delayed, they might need a fight almost every Saturday night on Big Fox for the rest of the summer and in the early fall. So it might even be more of money. Or it could be just more shows but the same amount of money. Like, we don't know. And the uncertainty is what's really tough for boxing as a larger sport. Like you don't, individual promoters, you don't know whether you'll need to ramp up quickly or ramp down quickly or go steady. And it leads to more stress on all the fighters you have under contract. With the zone, maybe they need AJ and Canelo to fight three times the next 12 months. And unless you're a candidate to fight AJ or Canelo, they don't really care about how much you fight or how entertaining you are. Part of the reason why I view this moment as an opportunity for boxing is I think the sport is capable of stepping up for every single distribution partner in this moment. Like, I really think the rest of 2020 and probably the entire year of 2021 will be a critical moment for capital B boxing. Like, I think a a few really negative breaks, like I said, not even dependent on how well it does, could send the sport into a crisis. But I also think there's a lot of opportunities to improve, and there's a lot of opportunities for boxing to improve its relationship with every single network and and, and sponsor that it could possibly engage with right now. And that could lead to real growth. And I mean, I think if I were to predict how this is going to work, I would say that boxing may not take advantage of the opportunities with sponsors, maybe a little bit, but not totally capitalized like it could. But I'll take even incremental gains at this point. I mean, basically, as a consumer, you're going to want fighters to make the most money possible. And fighters, if you're, if, if you're watching boxing on ESPN and Top Rank can get more sponsor money, fighters are going to share in that. So that's a good thing. You want sponsors to come on board for the sport. like You absolutely want that. I actually think when you look at the ad market, which is, I think, is just the most critical thing right now in terms of how all sports' future. I just sort of think every major sport and even most top niche sports, uh, their future is so dependent on their relationship with networks and sponsors right now. So, it. it, it I think there are plenty of companies in this country that haven't suffered real, real lasting damage, but they've pulled back their marketing budgets or some that have just suffered short-term damage. And I think they will come back. I think this is the opportunity for them to get in front of eyeballs. And I think there will be incremental audience gains. I don't think there's huge audience gains because I think other than the really, really major sports, there's just a certain part of this country that, love sports and is going to stick with it. And then there's a certain part of the country that only cares for the really big cultural events. I think, could we see some changes in deals for boxing? Maybe even less money coming in or um, restructuring, I think, is probably the better word than cuts. I wouldn't predict anything drastic right now. I think... Given the uncertainty and given the opportunity for boxing to step up and help its partners, I mean, when was the last time you saw a full card, top to bottom, on regular ESPN like twice a week? Like it's, it's ESPN needs boxing in in, in a crazy way right now, and I think Fox will need boxing too. Like I am really sour on MLB coming back, at least from what I've read from top people, and I think it's much more likely that PBC will have an opportunity to strengthen their relationship with Fox if MLB doesn't come back. But 12 months from now, you know, we could be looking at a different story. I think, you, you know, one network could be completely eliminate its relationship with the sport or completely restructure its relationship with the sport between DAZN, Showtime, Fox, and ESPN. And a lot of that, like I said, is, isn't even dependent on how well boxing performs for it. I think it's just the health of the companies that we're talking here. You know under normal circumstances for sports, I'd say ESPN is the most healthy, but ESPN is just so reliant on sports uh, that you know Fox or Showtime's diversity is helpful. But at this point, who knows? It's been a hundred years since we've been through a pandemic like this. And you add in the frustration, you know, with the social unrest, I mean, anything could happen right now. I do think a year from now we'll have enough data to see what the changes are. and I, but, but I think there will be changes a year from now. Let's leave it there for right now. Next episode, I'm talk, I'm going to talk about how capital B boxing could restructure itself. Um, in a way that would be really beneficial for the sport. Um, preview section. We haven't had a preview section in a long time, but I'm really excited to have it. Let's start with the obvious here. Only network coming back right now is ESPN. Top ranked boxing doing the fights. They're midweek fights, Tuesdays and Thursdays, month of June. Um, all of these fights are happening at the MGM in Las Vegas. They are all on ESPN. They're showing the t- entire card top to bottom. The uh, one thing I'll say about the ratings, in similar fashion to UFC cards, I wouldn't expect amazing ratings for the entire card because way down on the undercards, they just won't draw huge audiences, especially once casual fans see what those fights are, <laughs> which I'm kind of I'm semi excited to, to to watch that reaction. Um, but I will be, I, I, I'd be really interested in seeing how the shows do overall, and then how the main event and co-main. Uh, event draws audiences, and then how consistent those audiences are. I mean, ESPN right now, basically for the next two months, it's going to be a combat sports network with top rank boxing going Tuesday, Thursday on ESPN, and then and then UFC going Saturdays, and maybe some top rank boxing on ESPN Plus on Saturdays. Um, and then, you know, after that, it'll get Wednesdays and Fridays back for the NBA soon. But it's still I'm not confident it'll get baseball back. Like I said, and and it's just that's what ESPN is going to be right now. Um, So let's start Tuesday, June 9th. We have Shakur Stevenson fighting Felix Caraballo at junior lightweight. Stevenson's title won't be on the line. It's scheduled for 10 rounds. Michaela Meyer fighting fighting Helen Joseph. Eight rounds at junior lightweight. Odds are as follows. Stevenson is a 100-to-1 favorite. I've seen him as low as 50-to-1, but as high as 200-to-1. He's probably going to win this fight. Let's just call it that. Meyer is a 20-to-1, 18-to-1 type of favorite. She is also a a big, strong favorite and should win. But I am looking forward to these fights just because I haven't seen boxing in forever, and I think Shakur Stevenson is an electric personality and an awesome, very talented fighter who has pound-for-pound top five potential as he moves up and can be a multiple. He's the type of fighter who can unify titles. So I'm always excited to see him. So on Thursday, June 11th, we have Jesse Magdaleno fighting NFL Vicente at junior lightweight. Adam Lopez is fighting Luis Correa in the co-main. Remember, these guys were supposed to fight each other before. Lopez got the call to come up and fight Oscar Valdez and actually knocked him down before losing. Magdaleno started out as a much bigger favorite. He's now down to the 9 or 10 to 1 range. Um, I do think it, – it, let me get through the other the next week's fights and then I'll sort of make a comment on this. On Tuesday, June 16th, we have Josh Greer fighting Mike Plania and also Giovanni Santillion fighting Antonio DeMarco. Greer is like a 9-to-1 favorite. No odds on the uh, Santillion and DeMarco fight. And then Thursday, June 18th, Jose Pedraza fighting Mikel Lespierre and Gabe Flores Jr. fighting Joseph Ruiz. Pedraza is about a 10-to-1 favorite at a couple of books. So one comment on all the odds right now. I think every underdog has a massive chance of pulling an upset. These guys are all fighting on very short training camps. I think, um, even, so under normal, consider normal circumstances, the way these books do the, the way they do things is the favorites they juice up to avoid having parlay plays come through. So like, just because the book says Magdaleno is a 9 or 10 to 1 favorite does not mean that um, Vicente only has a, a 10% chance of winning. Um, he probably has a much higher chance of winning, I would say. Maybe 20, 25%, 30%, something like that. But if you look at the comeback on Vicente, I think he's only he's like plus 500 or something like that. Which is probably much more reflect uh, reflection of what his actual chances are at winning. So... That's it that's how they do these. And then I think add in the fact that we're coming out of a of, of a time when you couldn't train. And I think all the underdogs here just have, you know, if if you were blindly betting, I would just say blindly bet on all the underdogs. Um, you know, because anything can happen coming out of what we've just seen. And I do think a lot of these fights that we're seeing in the next two weeks, I don't think look, I don't think Stevenson's fight is gonna be competitive. I don't think Michaela Myers' fight's gonna be competitive. I am looking forward to Jess Magdaleno fighting Vicente. Definitely looking forward to Adam Lopez fighting Luis Coria. Definitely looking forward to uh, the two fight cards next week, especially. Um, I think the Santillan and uh, DeMarco fight could be really good TV. You know, I'm just excited to watch boxing, basically start to finish. I'm probably going to watch every single undercard on all these and and, and love it. So very excited that boxing is back. Uh, best of luck to Top Rank. Thank, thank you for going first and setting the template. I know that is a lot of work for the fine folks at Top Rank, and I think hopefully if there are any mistakes made, everybody will learn from them and improve. I think from what I have heard, they have a great plan, and I expect them to do this really, really well and with minimized risk. And I expect that we're going to be watching, you know, twice-a-week shows from Top Rank for, for a while, and then I, I'm expecting uh, fight camps for other networks to, to start happening and, and fights to be made and good fights to come. So on that positive note, have a, have a great weekend and enjoy boxing next week. Hope I didn't bring people down too much. This was a little negative, but I don't mean it to be. I wanted to go through what... The worst case scenario was, and, and in some respects, and what some of the risks risks are. And let's just be honest: this is what everyone's facing in the current world we're living in. As we reopen, there's just so much uncertainty. I do think it'll come out. I, I, you know, I can't say that there's going to be the same amount of money spent on boxing in two years as there is now, but I do think we're going to come out of this uh, with a stronger sport to a certain extent. So, um, talk to you guys in two. Weeks. Did you get what you was looking for?